I'm Brett Chang. And I am Jay Rosenthal, and this is your Peak Daily for Tuesday, October 3rd, where we cover the biggest stories in Canadian and global business, finance, and tech, all in less than seven minutes. So Jay, this day in 2014 marked the genesis of the $3 billion podcast industry with the debut of the smash hit podcast, Serial. Since then, launching a podcast has become a rite of passage for a young adult in the business world, which is why, Jay, at the peak, we've launched two, and we are the co-hosts of one of them. Did you like, were you a big serial fan back then? Never even listened. Really? Yeah, never even listened. And uh, I don't want to talk about our podcast listening, because every time we do, you call me a boomer. So Yeah, that's wild to me, because serial really was a cultural touchstone for people of my vintage. Uh, everybody listened to it, and it is what got people on podcasts. Like, podcasts were not a thing until Serial, and I remember I was I was glued to my earphones listening to that and trying to figure out did Adnan do it? Was the innocent guilty? It was, a, it was a real cultural moment. I mean, I was part of the zeitgeist. I just wasn't listening. Uh, yeah, wow. But I I, really it's also not. It's not my thing. It's uh, sort of that type of podcast. Not my thing. You know, I listen to lots of podcasts, just not that kind. But no, it was uh, it was and still is a big deal. And uh, it even launched. Uh, you know, I think that's what that um, uh, Steve Allen <laughs> TV show only murders in the buildings is based off that. Uh, so it's it's come full circle that there's now a streaming show about a podcast like Serial. So it's. Well, and Adnan is still back and forth in it at jail. It's an appeal. He wins the appeal, then he goes back. It's a whole thing, anyways. So you're still paying attention, Brett. Aside from Serial kicking off a podcast craze, of which we are, I guess, still part of, what do we have for Peak Calls today? For our first story, the battle for EV truck supremacy. For our second story, businesses are betting big on hard drugs. And for our last story, Laurentian CEO heads for the exits. For our first story, what do four-year-old boys... And the electric vehicle market have in common? Well, both are obsessed with trucks. And I actually don't want to gender that. Girls are sometimes obsessed with trucks as well. But Brett, what electric trucks are on the market now, right now? Well, we'll start by talking about Tesla because they're the sure. one that's in the spotlight. They missed their delivery target last quarter, shipping out 7% fewer vehicles than it did the preceding quarter. But one thing that may have contributed to that miss, well, the fact that it's long-awaited Cybertruck, Tesla's version of an EV truck, has yet to be sent out to buyers. Maybe it's because it's incredibly ugly, Brett. But despite IRL sightings of pre-production versions lighting up car Twitter, or car X, I guess it might be called, now the promise that the giant silver polygon would come out by September, well, it just didn't happen. Rivian has gotten way better at getting its fancy EV pickups on the road. In fact, I was just in Austin, Texas, and I saw about five of them when I was there. They look great, by the way. The problem is that its complicated assembly process costs billions of dollars. Despite a price tag of $80,000, the company loses an average of $33,000 on every pickup it sells. <laughs> that can't be the business model. But it matters because if automakers want to get the EV transition off to the races, they need pickups. As a key segment of the driving population will simply never buy a puny sedan. Last year, the Ford F-Series was the best-selling vehicle in both Canada and the U.S. Speaking of differences between Canada and America, the cars in the southern United States are so much bigger than here. It is yes. wild to me. So I understand where this is coming from. Now, the bottom line is, with Ford slashing prices on the acclaimed electric F-150, Tesla promised that the Cybertruck will come out for realsies before the year's end. And Rivian and a suite of other startups are in the fray. The battle for EV truck supremacy is just getting started. Brett, if someone wants to have us test drive a Rivian and talk about it, 
I'm down with that. I've never seen one in Canada. I'm not even sure they sell them in Canada. I, I, I don't know if they sell them here, but I did see one um, at Exhibition Place not that yeah. long ago. Interesting. For our second story, bad business idea. Opening a meth crack store that immediately gets shut down as somebody did in Vancouver. Maybe a good business idea, early investing in the potential decriminalization of hard drugs. I don't know, Jay. It all sounds a bit shady to me. What's going on here? I've heard this story before. But apparently this is a thing. Safe Supply Streaming is on track to list on the Canadian Securities Exchange. But it's not like other investment firms. It claims to be the first company designed to invest in the third wave of drug reform or policies relaxing laws around hard drugs. The company plans to invest in businesses poised to benefit from such reforms, like addiction clinics, fentanyl test strip producers, and cocoa leaf energy drink makers. Betting big on drug reform and psychedelic therapy. Some have even sought permission from Health Canada to make and sell a variety of hard drugs strictly for research purposes and only to licensed buyers like hospitals. In February, BC-based Lucy Scientific Discovery, or LSD, you get it, Jim? said it was looking to expand its licensing to make limited amounts of cocaine and heroin. Filament Health, another BC drug research company, has a dealer's license for several substances, including cocaine, and just last week raised $2 million. And it matters because with BC not even a year into its pilot of decriminalizing possession of small amounts of illicit substances, these companies will be bellwethers for the industry's viability. Yeah, but with BC already scaling back part of its pilot and similar programs in other countries hitting rough patches, a third wave of drug reform is very far from guaranteed, right? Plus, look no further than Canada's legalization of cannabis for proof that black markets continue to survive and thrive even if an illicit drug becomes legally accessible. You don't say. For our third story, over the summer, analysts were pretty confident that major banks would be interested in buying Laurentian. But now... Even the CEO doesn't want to work there. Laurentian Bank is bidding adieu to CEO Raina Llewellyn, the first woman to head a major Canadian bank after just three years in the role. Eric Provost, who was formerly in charge of personal and commercial banking, will take her place per Bloomberg. Llewellyn is heading for the exit shortly after the bank, failing to find a buyer, opted to enhance its existing strategy, emphasizing commercial lending and tech upgrades. Provost's immediate to-do list will involve damage control after a recent outage, disrupted customer services, though deeper issues may have led to the shakeup. And it matters because even though it's smaller than any of the big five, Laurentian's decisions, strategies, and overall financial health can influence segments of the Canadian financial market, particularly within the province of Quebec, where it has a stronger presence. Which brings us to the bottom line. The abrupt leadership changes raises questions about the future direction and stability of one of Canada's largest banks. Laurentian shares plummeted to their lowest level in nearly a year, a 19% drop since announcing the bank could not find a buyer. Peak Pals, thanks for making us the most listened to business news podcast in Canada. If you got a second, why not follow this podcast on your app of choice and leave us a review. And if you want more Peak, make sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter at peak.com. Thank you, Brett. Have a good Tuesday, Peak Pals.